thank you. Good morning. So uh, I, I seriously considered wearing my Eagles shirt this morning, and then uh, I thought there's poor Ravens or Steelers fans that's going to have to look at that for the next 30 minutes. So uh, this is me having mercy on the rest of you that are not Eagles supporters. I see Bruce has less mercy this morning. <laughs> so we can get that presentation up, but... So this morning, as Bruce said, we're, uh, we're continuing in the word where it's walking in the kingdom. Um, specifically this morning, um, I've got a word on my heart that is, is around our finances um, and our walk with God in, in terms of finances, our money, um, and just this relationship that, that the Lord has for us. Um, for those of you that we are on Friday night, um, Holy Spirit night, the Lord already laid a big foundation for this, and, and actually it will be a sort of a continuation of that this morning. Um, so I've asked this question before. Why does God talk so much? Why does he speak so much about money? Um, 2,000 verses, I haven't read them, read or counted them all, um, but the information out there says about 2,000 verses on money, um, 500 on prayer, even less of that on faith. So why, why is this such a big topic? Um, is, is God looking for your money? Does he want your money? Um, or, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, or does he know that this is such a big topic for us on earth? Um, he knows. I mean, he's a, he's a father, and as we'll, as we'll dive into the word this morning, um, I'm first going to start and, and just lay two quick foundations, um, and then we'll get to the Word. So the initial part, we'll quickly just run through it and, and get some, some basic stuff out there. But I truly believe that God knows that this is such a big part of our life, um, and, it, and we get confronted with this thing we call money every single day. Hundreds of decisions every day in what we do with people, with our children, with our family, our callings, everything hangs on our relationship with this thing called money. So uh, let's quickly look at the word we're going to read out of Matthew 6 this morning. Um, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And I, it's just a text that I think all of you have read many times before. Um, we're not going to read all of, all of it. Um, if you want to follow along, um, start at verse 19. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. As I say, easy, quick passage to read. Um, I think all of us have, have read it many times before. Um, but when I sat, and, and, and this is a journey that the Lord has been um, with me and specifically our family for a long time, just this, this thing about finances and supply 
and resources. And uh, as I sat with the Lord at some point with this passage, just, you know, when you, when you really get into the practical part of it, um, it gets less simple. It sounds so simple. Just, just trust me. Don't think about what you wear. Don't think about what you eat. Just trust me. And reading it sounds nice. Practically, not so easy. So let's just lay two quick first foundations. Um, okay. So the first thing that I want to highlight out of that text is we have a loving father. He cares and he promises to supply in every single need. And this is such a core foundation that we have to understand. And for the rest of the discussion this morning, everything is rooted in a loving father. Whatever he says in his word, whatever he commands, whatever he wants you to do is because he loves you. And in this promise, he says, for the pagans run after all these things we just mentioned. I mean, this is physical things. It's money. It's everything we need in our lives. He says, they have to run, all of, right, run after all of this, but I know that you need them. And then he says, seek my kingdom, and all these things I will give to you as well. That promise, another one, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So here we start to get into the purpose of resources a little bit, which we'll touch on later. But God says he can richly bless you, that you will have everything and everything you need, all things in all that you need, and then you will abound in every good work. Another one, 1 Timothy 6.17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainties of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So he's not just saying that, that he will supply for you for, for, for every good work. That's one part of it, and that's the major reason, you know, the major reason for, for resources and for building the kingdom. But he also says here that you can enjoy it. So there's both parts of this. And I know the church have, have sometimes, some part of the church, I think in, in trying to get this message through, some portion of the church has taken this into an extreme form. And that's not what I'm talking about here. But you also cannot discount that. God says here, I, will, I promise to supply for you in every need and everything you need so that you can be a blessing, but also so that you can enjoy it. Because he's a loving Caring Father. That's the ultimate foundation. Second point. This loving Father that provides for us also understand that money can be dangerous. And we come back to those 2,000 verses. Why is he hammering on this over and over and over? Because he loves us. You're, I mean, there's all, we are all fathers and mothers and, 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 and parents. How do you feel about your children? How do, you, how do you teach your children to use fire, a gun, a knife? I mean, it's, it's with love and care. You, you know they're going to have to use these things as they grow up. The same with our father. He knows we, we're, we're all going to live this life, and we need this thing called money. And he says, I have this. I want to give it to you. But on the other hand, I know that it's dangerous. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. God says, I want your heart. I want you for myself. 
and yet there's this thing called money and, and it can have a negative impact on you. You cannot serve money and me. He says you're going to choose. This, that's just the way the human heart is and the human condition is. It's either going to go to the one or the other. And he says, choose me. So that's the, that's the two foundations. If we just quickly look at, at, go a little bit deeper into this dangerous. I mean, why is God so concerned? Um, again, as I say, he loves us. And this is why he's hammering on this thing over and over. There's a different passage. And this is the story where the rich young, the rich young man comes to Jesus. And he, and he says, Lord, what do I need to do to, to get into the kingdom? And, and God says, you know, follow all the laws, love, everything. And he says, I do all of that. And then the Lord looks into his heart and he sees this person has a wrong relationship with money. And he asks him and he says, go and give away all your stuff and follow me. And the young man turns around and walks away despondent. And, it, and the Bible says, because he was extremely rich, but that money had him. His, his treasure was in his money. His heart was in his money, not with God. And then Jesus says these words, and, and this is, for me, one of, I almost want to say one of the scariest passages in the Bible. If you read this, then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I know sometimes we think, you know, rich, and you have your image of what rich looks like. I want to tell you, all of us in this room falls in that category of rich. If you compare our standard of living, what we have, to the rest of the world. We fall, most of us fall in the top 5% of the world and a lot of us actually falls in the top 1% of the world. And yet there's this warning. God says, so he says to all of us this morning, he says it's difficult for rich people to get into the kingdom. And why is that? And there's three, three quick reasons I could just jot it down. I just really want to focus on the first one. It's this thing about your source of security. So where do you find your trust? Where do you find your reliance? And God says, I mean, those first passage we read, it's about, he says, I want you to make me your source of trust and your source of security. And this is the biggest thing that money does. The moment we have a lot of money, it's almost like we can relax. You know, we're covered. We're, we don't have to worry about supply for next week. I'm not concerned for next week. I'm not concerned for next month. I've got my 401k for when I retire. You know, I've got my student fund for my kids. It's, it's almost like we sit back and, and we get into a situation and this is what, what the father knows and this, this deception or insidiousness of money where it can just draw your heart and your focus away from him. The second one, pride. It can make us feel better than, than other people. Um, or just become a distraction. Just when you have a lot of money, you have, you know, you have the flexibility and available and access to, to just do stuff. You, know, you, you can buy all the toys in this world. You can, you can do all the other things, and it becomes a distraction versus the true calling that God has on your life. So, 
So we've seen the dangers. We've seen we have a loving father that wants to supply. And then I, at some point during this journey, um, I asked the Lord, and I said, Lord, but why? What is it that, that, you know, Jesus came, we're in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit. What is it still that makes us, you know, step into this wrong relationship with money so easily? And uh, the Lord took me at some point and, 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 and said, there's, you know, there's been, there's been many... There's been many lies or, or things that the devil has been able to, to hold over the church over the years. Um, Jesus came, the church was birthed, and then over the following 2,000 years, the church went through a lot of tough times. Um, we pretty much lost the Holy Spirit, we lost grace, we lost all these things. And then um, over the last 500 years, the Lord has been restoring all these things and building up the church and his body again, and Martin Luther brought grace and Jesus and, and salvation through faith back into the church. In the 1800s, the big revivals around the world, it's almost like the Holy Spirit, you know, God brought the Holy Spirit back, the gifts, healing, prophecy, all of these things. But God said there's one lie that still is pervasive in my body. And if people cannot get free of that, they will struggle to walk in to this place and this destiny and the relationship that I have for them with money. And that thing, I want to call it what the, the devil has been able to sell to us, is perceived scarcity. I don't even want to say scarcity because it's not true. It's our perception that in this world there is not enough. And it's, it's, it's such a foundational thing, and, and we'll, we'll look at it in the next slide, but it influences everything we think about, all of our actions, all of our thoughts, how we think, how we talk, how we, what we do, and it has such an impact on our calling and what the Lord has called us to do. Quick verse here in, in Matthew 4. Um, how did this get in and, and why I think is sometimes this thinking still. Um, this is where the devil takes Jesus into the, into the desert to, um, to tempt him. And he says, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What I want to highlight here is Jesus didn't argue with him and said, all of this stuff you're showing me, you know, it's not yours to give me. Jesus seed it and said, at that point in time, before the cross, the devil had authority. He had authority over the earth. Adam gave it at the, at the fall of man. And for that dispensation, the devil had authority over the earth and the resources. A couple of years later, though, we read this, and this is just before Jesus ascends into heaven. He stands in front of all his followers and the disciples in Matthew 28, and he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he sends them out, and he says, go and make disciples of the whole world, and I will be with you always. And Peter wrote in Peter 3.22, who is at Jesus who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers, everything has been subjected to him. So we see this new revelation, a new truth, that Jesus took it all back. He now has full authority. The devil used to have it. Now God has it. So this, this thinking of there's not enough, we, and... and, and 
this is a lie that the devil wants to, and he spreads it everywhere. I mean, you, you cannot turn the TV on and, and then hear about, you know, there's, there's shortages here and there's too many people on the planet and we shouldn't be so much and the earth can only carry so many people. God says, I own it all. We have an infinite father that made the universe. How can we think that now that he has, he has full authority over everything on earth, every single resource, and yet we sometimes still live with this thinking that says, you know, will there be enough? Will I have enough? Um, so just to try and contrast these two mindsets um, and, and try and really get it clear, I mean, what does it look like? What does it look like when we live with this convincing or this belief in our hearts that, you know, there's not enough? There's the scarcity concept that exists on earth. It leads to a constant fear. Everything we do in our life concerning money will be driven by fear. Will I have enough? What about tomorrow? What about next year? What about 10 years? And this is a fine line. We don't have time to go into the wisdom side of resources. There's a whole another side where God says, I want you to steward and I want you to be wise. I don't, and there's, I'm going to say, God hates waste just as much as he hates lack and poverty. So there's a wisdom side to this as well. But in general, if we believe there's not enough, fear is what drives us. Every decision, um, it's this concept of this, this cake on earth is only so big and you can slice it into so many slices and every slice that you get is one less for me. So how does that influence your thinking when God asks you to give? Um, when he, when every interaction you have with, with people, um, it's, that, you know, it's an, almost an us versus you mentality or me versus you mentality. Another thing is it, it's you know, almost hoarding, trying to store up. God said, don't store up money here. Um, store up treasures in heaven. And I wrote that question there with open-ended, hoarding as much as I can in case. And you can, you can whatever, in case sickness, lack, poverty, whatever. But almost it's in case God fails me. And it, it's, so this root lies so, and I don't think we, we think about it that way. It's just we've been conditioned over so many years. Um, we all have this inbuilt filter almost on how we think about the world, how we see the world out there, how we see our relationships. And some of us grew up poor, some of us grew up rich. We all come from different aspects, but these things have an influence on us. And I think that's why the Lord says that this belief of scarcity, it's so hidden, so deep, but it somehow influences so many of our interactions and our activities on a day-by-day basis. Contrast on the other side, an abundance mindset. Just sitting back and saying, I have a loving father that wants to provide. He owns it all. There is no shortage. He owns all the gold still in the ground, above ground. And if he wants to, he can make more. What holds him back? He owns it all. He's almighty. So just that place of sitting back and saying, I know my father. Immediately that fear aspect is, is, is away. It, it immediately doesn't. Perfect love casts out fear. 
immediately we can step into that place of, wow, I'm blessed to be a blessing. My father has an unlimited supply, now I can be a blessing. And immediately it turns my focus from myself to those around me. Instead of sitting with a fear and, and just it's about me, my family, you know, my next 10, 20, 30 years. Um, I wish we had time this morning that I could go into all the, just the, the, the road that the Lord has walked with, with us as a family. The Lord moved us here in, uh, from South Africa. That's where the funny accent comes from. Um, <laughs> So about six years ago, um, the Lord moved us from South Africa here. Um, Initially, we only thought it would be for a year or two, and then once we were here, he really made it clear that we're here um, on a permanent basis. But that truly upended everything in our lives. Um, In South Africa, I mean, it's a different economy. Um, The the, the exchange rate is 12 versus 1, 12 rand to $1 at the moment. So if you plan for retirement and education and all that stuff, we were covered. I had my boxes ticked in terms of my planning over there. I was good on my retirement plan, our kids' you know, college education. Lord moves us here. And then in a moment he says, you are here to stay. So now I'm in my 40s. My 401k does not exist. <laughs> kids' education, you know, there it costs maybe about $10,000 to put your kids through all four years of a college education. Here it's 80, 90. I have three of them. All of these things, and immediately the enemy wanted to put me back into that situation of fear. Lord, what here? And over and over the Lord just came and he says, do you trust me? I moved you here. I have a plan. I will provide. Just rest in me. Don't move over back into that place of fear. I'm a good father. But it sneaks in so easy. So, and I asked the Lord, Okay, so obviously there's this issue um, around scarcity, and we believe that lie. But, you know, we have a good father, endless supply. We know the dangers of money. But why, even in the church, why is there still so much lack around us? Because, you know, we can say that, that God owns it all, and there's no scarcity. But if we look around us in practice, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like that. Um, we do see, we see all the need around us, we see all, we see poverty, we see hunger, and sometimes even in the church, we feel there's not enough flow of resources, and so I asked the Lord, Lord, what, why is this? Um, what is the issue here? And um, I really felt the Lord said, he has a dilemma, he has a problem, he's an almighty God, and yet he has an issue. Um, he actually took me... Um, Funny enough, he took me to that movie, Bruce Almighty. I don't know if you guys have seen it, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Not everything's perfect in the movie, but there's a couple of core principles in it. And unfortunately, Bruce, we're not talking about you this morning. <laughs> Although you might wish. Um, but in that movie, Jim Carrey, I mean, he discovers that uh, it's this whole thing. He, for those of you who haven't seen it, he's, he's angry at God for things that happen in his life. And he's really in this argument. And God says, come for a week. I make you God. And his biggest realization at the end of this movie is people have free will. And that's God's God's dilemma. It's us. And the fact that we have free will and the fact that we ate from that tree that gave us knowledge of good and evil. So what happens is 
we have this loving Father. He knows we need it. He has everything to give, but he knows it can harm us. So how does he give it? How, does he, you know, how do you give your kids something that can destroy them? How do you, as a loving parent, how do you help them to now step into this relationship so that this thing that you give to them with blessing intent does not destroy them? And as I was sitting with the Lord around this, he, I really felt him said these words. He said, I do not have a problem or a limit in terms of resources, but I do have a limited supply of people that can steward resources on the earth without those resources harming them. And I want to take this back to what we said in the beginning. Everything God says in his word is from love. It's from a viewpoint of love. God so loves every one of us that he will not put something in your hand if that will harm your eternal destiny. God will not sacrifice your eternal destiny even if there's need around you. I'm not talking about sacrifice in an earthly fashion. Um, The Lord asks us a lot to sacrifice in the physical and in our lives, but that's to get a better resurrection. What I'm talking about here is if God puts $100,000 in your hand and this leads to your heart moving away from him, your relationship suffering, and even maybe your eternal destiny is on the line. That's what I'm talking about. God loves you, and he says, I will not sacrifice you. That's not love. That's not a loving father that can do something that can harm you. That's right. So, and that's his, that's his dilemma. How do you, vessels that can truly stand in a relationship with finances where he can say, I can flow to whatever extent is needed. Whatever need is around you, I can flow through you. And yet this money is not going to take your heart away from me. So the question is, um, and I want to put this question on the table. Um, if money is your source of security, you know, will or even can God entrust you with more? Can a loving father do something that's not love? And I think the answer is no. And it almost forces him in a lot of situations to hold back because he does not want to destroy or hurt us out of love. So the question is, how does God, what, I mean, God has a solution. We have free will. He will not violate your free will. So like everything else in the word and in the Bible in our lives, there's a process. God has a built-in mechanism. He already said, how do I get my children to walk into this relationship, get them to this point where, where they can flow and where I can have them in this right relationship with money? So he's cure. He says, give it away. Give it away. And I, I want to ask you, what just happened in your heart? Let's make it real. Let's make it real. What did you just think? Because that's that inbuilt filter, inbuilt, whether it's 20, 30, 40, 50 years of thought patterns or lies that the devil has sold to us. That immediately kicked in. Every one of us has a different place. But I want you to be aware of that. Because that's where the enemy has us, and that's where the enemy has the church. 
I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, and yet still we're sitting with this thing. There's immediately this resistance. Don't touch my money. <laughs> the church is always asking for money. You know, what are they going to do with it? Or whatever. There's so many places where the Lord brings us tithing. And I truly want, if, if you can leave with one thing this morning different than what you walked in, is if you can walk with a different view of why God is asking you to tithe. And tithing is, it's not time to go into the teaching of tithing, but tithing is not something under the law. Tithing started way before Moses. It started with Abram and Melchizedek. It went on in the New Testament. It's not a law thing. It's an opportunity where God said, I want you, every time you get something, give the first 10% to me. And that becomes your check. It becomes your heart check. Am I still okay in my relationship with money, or is this becoming my treasure? Because if you cannot give without that fear or without this, this thing that comes up, whatever came up in your mind maybe now, that's a check that says, you know, there's, there's still something there. Um, people being confronted, uh, you know, the poor, wisdom, all the opportunities we see around us, those are all... You know, God's not after your money. We say, does he need your money? Does the infinite creator of the universe need your money? No, he doesn't. What does he want? It's an opportunity for you to step into this place where you're free. Where you're at a place where you know he will supply. There's no lack. There's no shortage. So, I want to touch on this. Because I think a lot of people have, have also heard this, that you, know, you have to give, and if you don't give, God is angry. Romans 8 says there is no condemnation. If you haven't tithed until now, God is not angry at you. In fact, he doesn't need your money. <laughs> it's for you that he said, I want you to tithe, because it's for you. It's for your heart. It's this process that he has us all in on earth. And unfortunately, it, it doesn't happen like this. Um, we've been on this journey now for almost two decades. And you know, in South Africa, they, they, there's, there's a lot of poverty you get confronted with on a daily basis. Um, you're, every traffic light you stop at, there's people that, you know, with a, some sort of a sign, um, homeless. Or, and the Lord started challenging me, and he said, in my word, I say when... When somebody asks, give. I said it. And then you come up with all these excuses. Lord, I, I can't help them all. Because, I mean, you would drive and you would maybe see five, six, seven of these people in a day. How can you give to all of them? And then he said, give to them. And then you, you get to the next question and it's sort of, okay, but, but how much? You know, whatever I'm going to give them is not going to change their situation. You come up with all these excuses. And, you know, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to use it for drugs? Are they going to get alcohol? Whatever. And the Lord said, I ask you to give. And then he, he gave me some, a small piece of advice. And he said, how do, you, how do you bless somebody? And he said, give them more than they expect. You know, if somebody's standing at a traffic light, what is, it, what is his expectation? Is he expecting $100? No. What is he expecting? I don't know. A dollar. Two. So all it takes from you to truly be a blessing for that person is five bucks. Just 
just more than they expect. And, and you will see the light, people's faces light up when they get more than what they were expecting. If you give them a dollar, it's sort of, you know, they did it out of duty or whatever. But just, you know, if you give them five, it's like tipping in restaurants. I hope I'm not ruining your dining experience for the rest of your life. Um, you know, what's the expectation? Um, 15%, 20%. That last 5% or 3% changes it all. And every one of these incidences or, or opportunities becomes an opportunity for you to check where are you in your relationship with God and with money. Tithing, it's... It's a bi-weekly or a monthly. And it's, it's every time it's a place where God says, where are you? Where are you? Do you trust me? Do you believe that I can provide in everything that you need? I love you. But it's for you. It's not, it's not for him. <laughs> so I want to leave us um, just with this last slide. And just sort of paint a little bit of a picture. This is, God's, this is God's view. This is what he's calling us all into. And he says, I want to invite you to step into this adventure with me. And this looks different for every person in here. Um, again, don't hear me wrong when I say everybody in here is called to be a millionaire. That's not true. But God says, in your place where I have you, your space, your lane, whatever you want to call it, I have called you to walk in in your life. In that place, I will provide for all of your needs and for every good work that I have for you in that area. God also needs CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. He needs people to walk in that space. Obviously, their life will will look different. Their challenges will also look different. But he says, for you and what I've called you to be, for your calling, for you to fulfill your calling for the reason why I placed you on this earth, in that measure, I will provide for you. So see this. I want you to really engage with God and see this. There's a place where you can live where there is no fear of lack, where you have enough for every good work, And when truly, when any opportunity comes up to give, there's no hesitation, there's no fear. There's just, wow, another opportunity for God to use me to bless those around me. And also enough for my personal needs in every area. Take this, take this, I truly hear God almost imploring every one of you this morning with a heart of love. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. He says, step into this journey with me and see if I will bless you and if I will take you on this amazing place and step into your destiny that I called you to be. At the end of the service, I want to, after we've prayed now, I want to call up anybody um, that feel you have a, an issue with this view of scarcity. Um, if that's an hour, let's, let's pray for that and, and the whole ministry team come up and let's, let's pray for everybody. Because I truly believe that the Lord says this is one of the final keys for the body of Christ to step out into what the Lord has called. In this revival, 
this revival that we've heard of so much and that's already beginning, the words this morning, the dry bones are coming to life. For God's kingdom to cover this earth, it takes finances. And the Lord needs vessels for that finances to flow through. So will you step up? Thank you, Lord. Before Louis yes. prays, we're going to be taking a second offering today. No, we're not. Just kidding. <laughs> Take over that jersey. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you are so good. You are so good, Lord. I pray that this morning that we will get a fresh understanding, Father, of who you are and your heart towards us. Also in this area of finances, Lord, you know every single one's personal situation. You know where there's shortage. You know where there's lack. I pray this morning that you will bring release there, Lord. I come and stand against any lie that the devil holds over anybody's life, any stronghold, any fear. I break that in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you step into any situation, every one of us, uniquely today, Lord. Jesus, shine your light. Just your wisdom, your revelation, Lord, for every one of us, unique situation. We give you all the glory, Lord, and we're so excited to see where you're planning to go with every one of us. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen. Jesus.